We've got Liam Neeson in a big rig today. I'm talking about the Netflix exclusive, The Ice Road. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I'm talking about the Netflix movie The Ice Road, which stars Liam Neeson. And this one is interesting to talk about because on its face it's very simple, but it also has a number of elements that made me tilt my head to the side and a couple things I thought were really cool. So it's a bit of a mixed bag. So let's, without further ado, let's get started. Liam Neeson has a thing for the cold, it seems. While Neeson has been acting in a steady diet of action thrillers for some time, he seems to have a fondness for films in the frozen tundra. He faced off against wolves in the gray, took out crime guys in cold pursuit, and is now racing against time and other interference in the ice road. Neeson stars as Mike, a man duty-brown to his brother Gertie, who suffers from extreme PTSD, who's having a bit of a rough go. He's just been fired, once again, for defending his brother's honor and running out of options. But one opens up when an explosion occurs in a nearby mine, and a crew of trucks are sent to deliver the rescue supplies. Can Mike, his brother, and his new compatriots make it to the miners in time, though? The Ice Road is fine. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's just another B-tier action thriller that can skate by on Neeson's charisma, its general premise until the runtime is over. But because it's not an exciting review, let's dig into things that I really liked about this movie and things that irked me. Pro-con style. So let's start with pro number one, supporting characters. I was a bit worried when they introduced Neeson's brother, Gertie. He's introduced by being called a derogatory term and teased by some jackasses, and I was sure he was either going to be on the autism spectrum or have a distinctive mental disability. While he does, the source is unexpected. Gertie is an Iraq war veteran who suffered a severe head injury, and he hasn't been the same since. And while it's really sad and very brief seeing Neeson care for Gertie and translate his disjointed language and go to bat for his abilities is great stuff. I also really like the inclusion of Amber Midthunder as Tantu, another capable driver teamed up with Neeson who's trying to save her brother who's trapped. Not that she's just there playing a native character, as as she is a member of the Sioux tribe, but also that she's an outspoken activist for native rights. The con is, there should have been more. Unfortunately, as great as their introductions are, Gertie and Tantu don't get much more characterization, or have the plot tie into their struggles. You could argue that Gertie continually proves himself despite his quote-unquote limitations, but Tantu is just trying to save her brother. There's no greater motivation. Which stinks considering that we're dealing with shady corporate mining practices. This is a golden opportunity to give your action thriller some real weight, and they passed it up. Another con is that the villains are movie villains that make no sense. It shouldn't surprise you that in a movie about a mine collapse and a last-ditch rescue operation that the big corporation, or the people working for it, aren't on the up-and-up. That's not inherently bad. You can highlight worker exploitation, how the desire to save said workers isn't a high priority, or rather is a PR concern over a real human concern, and how the work they hire people to do is detrimental to the environment, etc. But in this movie, the villains may as well twirl mustaches. They don't just want the rescue mission to fail, they want everyone to die. 
because if they make it, they'll get found out or something for something they pick. It doesn't make any sense. It's really unclear. And the more you think about it, the more it falls apart. I'm also really tired of this benevolent CEO stuff, and this movie has that too. It was satire in RoboCop, and we still haven't moved past it for some reason. Another pro, though, is that the truck stuff is actually pretty fun. The best stuff in this movie is watching this small band of folks take on big mechanical problems like overturned trailers, wheels in the water, or no traction. There's a lot of inherent tension, and it's cool to see these solutions, many of which look like they'd work in real life. I'm not even a big vehicle or car guy, and by the end I was all on board for the ice road trucking bandwagon. Then we get to another con, which is, why is this minor subplot here? Not to say that the minor sub minor shouldn't be here at all, but it's easily the film's weakest stretch. Ideally, we get a chance to humanize these people. If there's an issue that they know corporate is lying about or covering up, we'd hear about it and see them struggle to stay alive. But the second check-in, we're watching them argue about whether or not to kill off injured co-workers? Seriously, what the fuck is this doing in here? And then they blend that in with the corporate stuff. You could have spent this time with Tansu's brother talking about his sister or something. I mean, man, what on earth is this? The verdict is that it's watchable, but it falls apart the second you think about it. The Ice Throne is a middling action thriller with some cool elements, but it's hard to recommend. 5 out of 10. This has been Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie World. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time, everybody. Stay safe.